0: Original creations is, is too explicit uh, in all of its in-game knowledge,
1: basically. I think, well, I think it's less about it being. Ex- I think it's less about it being explicit than it is about there being so few things you can do. Uh,
2: right? it's that. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Well, like- you can do a lot of things, but they're mostly the same thing. <laughs> so. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 362 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I, I, I don't know, I do stuff, I guess. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May Six.
0: Yep. That's a good you question.
2: got it. Twenty twenty. You. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be, you know, profanity on this show. So uh, get ready to enjoy just a healthy dose of that. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at Moneygrab.Bscotch.Net. Uh, we got a donation from Rob who said, "Happy birthday, Levelhead! It's oh, a two-year, yeah. two-year Levelhead anniversary." So that happened this past week. I'm pretty sure the community did
1: some stuff. Did a big oh yeah, they did tons of stuff. I was traveling, so I didn't get to didn't get to
0: get to participate. Great folks over there doing awesome stuff. They're
2: doing they're doing uh, it's it's honest work. Yeah, they really are doing cool Uh, stuff. Yeah, I wish I could (laughs) could
0: participate.
2: Yeah, they're always just making wild wild things. Uh, so it's always cool to just kind of peek in there and just see all the. Xenu shit that's going down in the Levelhead community. Uh, And of course, thanks to our recurring supporters who who keep our mic juices flowing. Uh, All right, now we're going to do questions today for the most part, uh, but we do have to address some bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Which is that there was this, uh, you know, this leaked Supreme Court um, opinion. So it's not, you know, it hasn't been, you know, it's not the a, opinion hasn't set. been fin- made fact. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not a finished, fi- a final op- a opinion or verdict yet. But, but it's looking like uh, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. And uh, for those less familiar with U.S. politics, it, this is the case that was the foundational case that allows for uh, reproductive rights like abortion in the United States. But also, um, the way that this uh, Supreme Court case it is. Being worded and the logic that's being used implies that um, that that other rights, such as uh, the right to marry who you want, including you know gay marriage or interracial marriage, um, uh, rights to privacy, etc. Essentially, anything not explicitly enumerated in the Constitution um, is can be stripped back. up for grabs. Yeah, up for grabs for for states to decide to take that away from you and uh already you know within the past 2 days we've just seen article after article after article of tons and tons of states um starting to push laws through as quickly as they can to strip away people's rights doing things that will uh that can lead to all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. uh IUDs potentially becoming illegal in some places in vitro fertilization becoming illegal or being treated as a felony um uh, and that's on top of already just abortion being made illegal. So, yeah. Uh, so right now, you know, Sam is over on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and so he's in a, he's in a place where generally this isn't gonna uh, his his state isn't gonna you know, do anything that's gonna cause cause him any problems. Um, specifically, uh, Adam and I are over here in Missouri, and our state is going to do lots of things that are going to hurt a lot of people and cause yeah. a lot of problems. Yeah. And what a fucking waste of everyone's time. You know? Yeah. yeah can we just stop Can, we just can we just with not,
1: the overwhelming yeah. cruelty of the Conservative Party? Can we have just have some empathy. Can um, we just stop it? We got stuff when to I do. Say,
0: you know, like just don't need to spend time on this. It shouldn't be this shouldn't be how we gotta do.
1: Yeah. Things. Think about yeah. doing good things, you know, like what would that what would that be like?
0: And it's important to note that most people uh don't support this. At all. Yeah. So
1: like- It's game, like not even 30%. Just- Just, <laughs> you know, it's, just stop it. Just cut it yeah. out. And, and if I they mean, did, is... they would still be wrong, you know? Yeah. And emphatically, yeah.
0: you know, yes, you know, we're a gaming studio. Okay? Yeah. Of course, we make video games, you know, politics adjacent. But uh, we stand with, with people having rights to their own bodies, to their ability to, you know, live their lives effectively- uh, we stand with the rest of the women in the whole country in terms of being able to actually do, uh, live your life how you want to live it and uh, not have to deal with this kind of bullshit. So, um, this is nonsense. And if, if you're into it, you know, maybe, I don't know, talk to someone who has had an experience that is different than
1: yours and, uh, you know, check yourself. Actually leave bit. them alone. Cause you're probably going to be an asshole about it. So, so <laughs> go read on the, the internet, internet, you know, you get you know, some, em- just get some, em- get some empathy. empathy man. Um, Come on. Yeah.
2: I think. Quit that wasting everybody's time. The
1: thing I just want to make sure that is, it is like crystal clear is that is that uh, being preferring forcing people to carry children in their womb when they don't want to is uh, is not a moral high ground that you seem to think that it is. If that's if that's your position, um, it's not pro life. Like it's obviously not pro life because that if so, it would come along with a myriad of other things that would you would also be for. That uh, that that group of forced birth extremists is the only fair term. um, Don't uh, believe in all that stuff. All the stuff that's actually literally pro life, things that are good for
2: yeah life, life, meaning things that living people all of that stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's it's not. It's actually very much the immoral low ground as a position. It's just pro forced birth. Yep, is all that it is. It's the entirety of the Uh, stance, and it is obviously. Immoral if you think about it for two fucking seconds. So Mm -hmm. anyway, if you're a listener to this podcast and you're like, oh no, I believe all these things though. And now like you don't listen to us like that's I suggest you just before you leave, take a moment, take a breath, self-reflect, go read about stuff, go read about other people's experiences and just fucking think about it Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Outside of your, your bizarre moral outrage that, is very inconsistently being applied. Here's but just thing. like think about it and then you, like if you then want to exit and you're mad that we talked about this just go. We don't need to hear about it
2: it's fine. do not care. <laughs> <Don't> care. <laughs> yeah so we you know we, we want this this podcast to be a, a a positive thing that is inspiring people and that um, gives people cool insights into you know how to live a good life and stuff like that. Um, and ideally we, you know, we don't want to spend time talking about, uh, political things that are happening or, or whatever the, whatever the case may be. Um, but sometimes, you know, things happen that are directly and, you know, inextricably tied to what it means to, uh, be a good person, live a good life. Uh, you know, the golden rule, treat people the way that you want to be treated that, you know, we have to talk about it and, and if we don't talk about it, then that, is I think that's bad. I think yeah. it's bad to it's bad to let something horrible go by and just pretend like everything is okay. Um, and so you know we have to we had to address it. Yeah, and there's still so, like there there are
1: many very smart people who spend their lives dedicated to like fighting all these good fights and talking about why things are the way that they are. And in general, we're going to refer you to like go find those people because. They're gonna have a lot more nuance, a lot deeper understanding of that kind of stuff. You know, we're like I said, we make video games. That's what our, that's what we're doing here, right? So mostly we just want to make sure that it's clear that there are like when it comes to human rights, that's not politics. You don't like and us being quiet about that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help anybody. Um and so we'll still say, go learn the stuff elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just periodically so you know where we're at. That's where we're at. Here's yeah. where we're at with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and unambiguously and unapologetically where we're at, because um, that's the other part too. Is is a lot of why this kind of horrible cruelty that keeps on being perpetrated gets to survive is because people pretend like they can just not talk about it. If like that, that if you just don't say anything, that that's not a tacit endorsement of some kind, um, and that's not true. So. While we're at it, trans rights or human rights, can't believe we have to say any of this, right? Come on. Gosh, just fucking leave trans people alone. Just quit Can it. We just just, be, you know, just leave human everybody rights. Rights alone. Mind, just, ju-
2: mind your own just business.
1: <laughs> just be, an Mike, actually good, be the actually good person you're trying to claim yourself to be. Just please. And just, just help people make the world better. Just be a good person. Yeah. It's, it's, good it's person. Honestly, it isn't hard. Get it hot. It really isn't. You know? It's <laughs> not
2: hard because all you have to do is just nothing. Yeah, just you Just, just don't do it. <laughs> just, just get out of people's business. It's yeah. so fucking easy. Leave people alone. All right, well, well, let's get on to some questions. Yeah. yeah. Let's it do it. Uh, all right. Now, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest up question comes from Tim Conceivable, who says, when you developed Crashlands, you were a studio that had released mostly mobile games and were breaking into the PC and console market did you tailor the game's play experience to, uh, to favor a specific platform or do you think it's better suited to be played on one platform? And have you considered this with Crashlands Two? And do you think it's play experience will end up favoring a specific platform?
0: Yes.
1: The, the, I think yes to all the questions, all of them. Yeah.
0: Right. So yeah. the original Crashlands was built, uh, only targeting mobile to start with actually, uh, it wasn't until about halfway through dev that we were like, actually, this game's big and it is pretty good. And so we think we could sell it on, on PC, you know? Um, like the crowd wouldn't be allergic to it in the sense that it was like a disgusting mobile game. You know, It's not like a match three or some shit. Um, and so that one kind of came into the PC and the console thing it was a bit sideways, basically. And versus, and I do think it actually, it, it generally, I think, plays best on, I think as far as like overall experience and cadence and stuff like that, I think like a a tablet or something like that to me is probably the ideal just because of the tapping and all the stuff, you know, on uh, the original
1: Crashlands. It is still the case with like, once you get your hotkeys on PC though, for that hotbar and stuff, like I I, I think I, I actually like, I think I still have the most fun playing OG Crashlands on my phone. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true. But in terms of the moment-to-moment experience, I think that that is the, kind of the fun thing PC's about... pretty close. Yeah, the design, the design of it, while it is mobile-first, I think is probably fair mm-hmm. to say, uh, we still had those components in there that you don't see as often, like hotkeys you'd have to press, right? Yeah. yeah like a hotbar bar, whatever. Um, and the simple matter of then hooking those into hotkeys on PC was like, it made it a really solid PC gameplay experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: I think that's kind of where the first one, the second one is explicitly a, a, a attempt of ours to uh, push much further into the PC and console side of things. Um, it, for two reasons: one is that you know the the, the mobile premium space is, is largely uh, moved to kind of collapsed subscription model. Yeah, it's gone, so it's, it's largely a subscription yeah. model. Um, and while we're very, of course, interested in all this and will participate, uh, kind of like what we do, Levelhead, etc., um, we. We think that the the scale of Crashlands Two and the overall polish, that sort of thing of it, uh, actually does befit more of either a console or a PC experience. So it is from like a hot from a overall control standpoint, it's a it's more uh, it is more elaborate. It's not just uh, tap to move, tap to do everything. It actually is uh, more of a you know two axis situation. You're moving on the one hand, you're kind of targeting on the other hand. Uh, it has all the buttons, so it's it's a it is actually a different experience. Um, but then I think when you if you play them, I did this a few weeks ago. If you boot up the original, you play it for a bit, and then you boot up uh, the sequel, uh, it that you could they feel the same weirdly, like they feel very similar, uh, despite having this like really d- different uh, it, different controls schema in terms of uh, how how many axes of, of movement there are and stuff like that. And so the the target is for us to really uh, branch out heavily into the, the PC and uh, console space where it seems like the stuff that we make wants to live, I guess,
1: is the short version. Well, I think uh, yeah. as as we're doing the initial design for Crashlands 2, the first thing that Sam did was sit down and, and basically do like a controls mapping to ask like, yeah. what are the actions that a player can perform in here, right? And knowing that we wanted those to be uh, highly overlapping with OG Crashlands so that feels like it's the same, mm-hmm. continuation of the same game, right? And I th- and I recall it being kind of surprising at the time though then in retrospect not so much that it was actually controllers that were the most like limiting yes. by far of and it wasn't touch like we think of we think of mobile and touch as like oh that's it's so hard to make a mobile interface that's like a good you know play experience and so on right yeah but it's actually controllers it's that controllers can it really really hard
0: because they are yeah. the most concrete uh an un, unduck like flexible, inflexible thing that you mm-hmm. have to manage versus on on touch if you want to add like an entire you know bar of buttons or like i mean you can just keep on adding capabilities you can have them sort of show up or go away at different times mm-hmm. um so it runs into like a ux question certainly but like you you can have buttons you could just have tons of buttons you know, all you got to yeah. infinite buttons on mobile yeah that doesn't mean um, it's a
1: good experience right but but you can yeah, like but you, can, you can have them but you can have them yeah, yeah
0: versus on, on console you're you're really mapped to those you know your, your primary ones and then you really get to me you get into this dangerous territory with so i've been playing a lot on xbox and a lot of the modern games they do a lot of layering right where if you yeah. once you hold y for example then it'll you'll actually sort of be in a sub menu um of like rs you know, hold a button to then pop up a selection wheel or stuff like that so yeah. So you could, there's still ways to get at uh, another layer of complexity, but it ends up being the case that if those actions, if those buttons are also mapped to actions, which they generally are, because, you know, it's that's where you want you want to be able to just press a button to do something, um, then you end up having this really challenging uh, layering problem that makes it harder for someone who isn't, like, a gamer, like, who yeah. plays a I lot of games. Yeah, I think it's
1: the accessibility to, issues, yeah. right, like, really... Are varying because, like, I and I find this for as a person who doesn't play with a controller, but at least historically, I've played a lot of games and so I'm familiar with the things you should be able to do. And you know, and like my brain works well enough, you know, in that domain. But every time I pick up a controller and there's more than just like the whatever little, the little buttons and the joystick, um, and maybe the triggers, but as soon as there's like triggers and shoulders, you know, and and then like some controllers have two shoulders and tr- you know. Yeah. Like as soon as there's more than that, or I have to like push a stick down or something, uh, all of a sudden like the the cognitive load goes up so yeah. high. Well, yeah,
2: they they also do a lot of um combos. Yes. So yep. as an example, like in in Rocket League, you know you have a power slide button, Um, but that doesn't do anything when you're in the air, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And so you can use that same button to to do an air roll once you're in the air. Yes, right? Yeah, or like. Uh, yeah, the way that you rotate your car and stuff changes. Uh, so, so essentially your controls just change depending on the state of the game or I was just playing this past weekend, uh, Tunic. And, uh, you know, if you play a, a, a PC shooter, it'd be like, oh yeah, you hold shift and you sprint, mm-hmm. right? But in Tunic, it's like, well, there's a there's a dodge button that you can hit to do a dodge roll kind of Elden Ring style. And then if you keep holding it and keep moving in that direction, then it becomes a sprint, yeah. afterwards right and so they kind of like pack multiple functions into the same button and and it, to me it kind of it does add that le- level of kind of jank right where it's like the what if I just want to sprint and I don't really care to to, to use my stamina to roll or yeah. whatever really, uh, really really funny, it, you know? a funny example of this from uh a game like uh like elder
0: ring actually is that so if you press b it's the same thing if you press b uh then and you're just standing still your character jumps backwards does like a backward hop like a dodge basically trying to get out of the way if you press b while moving you'll do a roll in whatever direction you're going uh, and then if you press b and just hold it while you're moving then you start sprinting immediately right so right,
2: so it's like three functions rolled into
0: one yeah. button so very frequently you'll see videos of people who are just like there's they're standing there and they mean to like they're standing on like a like a you know like a rail over a fucking chasm and they mean to start like sprinting, you know, to go forward. And they just but they like, just roll jump backward or, yeah, or just <laughs> like <laughs> So so the thing is like this the complexity of the mapping does create uh or can create some really uh kind of annoying like UX jank like Seth was talking about. Um it's also one of those things that like you, if you do it well, you can really, I mean it's a you can pack a shocking amount of stuff in there it's just really a question of like should you so i think as far as what we're targeting with crash Guns 2 it's like it's not it's not the original in terms of you just tap on stuff and there's that's all it is uh i would say it's sort of like maybe a, like a grade up in that which is we're going to use the whole you know the whole controller um and there might be like there might be like uh submenu thing that you summon or something like that. But I think, I don't think it'll get too like try not to do multi-binding
2: it's, stuff. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, one of the hallmarks of the original Crashlands was the accessibility of it. Right. Where it was like, you, it was just, you know, you just one touch everything and the game is super responsive and you don't have to learn a lot of complex maneuvers and stuff to, to play it. Um, so we're, we're trying to keep with that tradition, you know, in Crashlands 2, too, but you in know, in a more, it. in a more, yeah, in the spirit of that, but in a more evolved way. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the things that that I think is sort of a fundamental difference in Crashlands 2 is that. So in the original game, let's say you wanted to chop a tree, you know, you would just tap the tree and your character would run over and just start chopping, you know, that that tree. So it's like a single targeting kind of based mm-hmm. game. Um, and every now and then you had some special things, like maybe you could throw bombs or something, and then that would sort of do like an area hit. Uh, but, but by and large, it's like whenever you're fighting stuff or interacting with things, it's just you and that thing one-on-one, one on one, right? And in uh, Crashlands 2, we've leaned into this uh, telegraph style interaction where instead of, you know, you just chopping that one tree, you know, you'll have your machete thing that it's you all chop of a foot
1: basically. Yeah. yeah
2: and, it, and it has like a telegraph that has a certain shape to it. And uh part of the, the like fun of the harvesting stuff now is finding, you know, collections of plants or things and then positioning, like trying to position yourself so that you can catch all of them in the telegraph at the same yeah. time. Um, and like speed up your harvesting by just your positioning and maneuvering. Which does mean that there's like there's an aiming component to it that didn't exist mm-hmm. in the original game, and you do have to select your tool, right? Because we can't auto detect. It's no mm-hmm. longer like I'm going to slap just a tree,
0: so get out the thing that slaps trees. It's like, well, and like, also
1: there's yeah. now more ways to interact with stuff because because in OG Crashlands there was exactly one way to interact with with almost everything except for like yeah. your pets, right? Mm-hmm. But two at
2: most. Yeah, but two yeah. <laughs> at
1: most, and so we could just we could just infer what it was you wanted to do if you went to attack a tree. It was like, well. Well, you're going to use your saw. You're going to use your saw. It's the only thing, the the only thing trees, that you can, can do. Yeah. And we only let you equip one, you know, cause like that's all that made sense. And and so uh with Cressions too, we're trying to build a lot more uh, diversity in the kinds of reactions you can have with things, which means we can't infer. And so mm-hmm. now you're so let you
2: equip what you want. Yeah, and we it's we what should, and you can run over there and try to, try to use it on a thing. And sometimes yeah. it'll work. And sometimes it won't depending. Um and kind of discovering those interactions is... is um, Yeah. Like, there's going to be obvious stuff, and then there's going to be stuff that you can kind of figure out or whatever. Yeah, well, I think the, um, the goal is still to have these, like, layers of accessibility, right? And and I
1: think that people confuse accessibility for, like, specifically referring to people who are not able to do something or like yeah. colorblindness or whatever, right? Uh, but it's a, it's way more general, that, which is just meet, trying to meet a person where they're at, whatever that means. How really? easy is it for someone to use this? Yeah. yeah to like make and, some progress, and right. right. And accessibility isn't just about like if you need help or you've never played games before or whatever like mm-hmm. is are you provided for, but it's also it's a layered thing, right? Because if you're a hardcore gamer who spends every waking moment playing and thinking about games, a game that like holds your hand through everything and doesn't let you do anything interesting. Actually, isn't accessible to you, yeah. right? Like it doesn't. Yeah, you. It you doesn't do quit. anything for you, right? <laughs> and because, uh, like, because now you're going to get bored as you're doing stuff and, like, and so on, right? So, so like really like well thought out accessibility tries to cover a wide range of mm-hmm. engagement with the person experiencing it, and we're trying to a lot of what we're trying to do with questions too is to widen that range a lot. So yeah, yeah. So OG Crashlands is like one one touch, and that was and you could you could basically like just click on stuff and kind of play the whole game that way, right? So mm-hmm. that's like your base level accessibility. But then if you wanted to, you could like spec into a different kind of loadout for like doing fire damage or doing like, like if you wanted to really think about the game and do more stuff, you could do that. If you wanted to do all the side quests and like just absolutely saturate that, you could do that. We made the mainline questing easier than Mm -hmm. the side quests, right? Because we knew that like some people would just want to get through and play that, and that wasn't optional to like finish the game. Yeah. So it had so, to be
2: definitely beatable. So had to be definitely yeah.
1: beatable, right? While well, while well the optional content doesn't have to be. And so we can provide additional layers of difficulty and complexity there. Right. And so with questions two, it's the same idea, except we're trying to layer in just like more stuff everywhere. So it's not just there's not just easier and harder. There's also diversity of things just to different. do in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's just
2: different. Yeah. So you just have more choice. But you know, that's a lot. It's right? a lot. And so and so this is part of why as we're as we're talking over the past few weeks on the, I guess past few months on the podcast about, um, is a tooling problem. You know, making a game like the original Crashlands where, like, oh yeah, there's one thing you do to a tree, and that's use a saw on it. That's what a saw is for, and that's what a tree is for, right? Um, easy mapping one-to-one, and uh therefore easy to add content, right? Or when you when you progress through the tiers of content in Crashlands 2, you get to a new workstation and you know, like that new workstation is going to have weapons, armor, tool, and it's going to unlock the next workstation, Mm -hmm. right? And so it it was like a cookie cutter sort of progression system. And that made it so we were able to add a large volume of content that you could move, move through. Um, But the difference in how that content felt and, you know, how engaged you were with it and stuff, um, it it definitely started to feel like a pattern over yeah, time, yeah. right? And so that's something that we are taking very seriously in Crashlands 2 is is how do we keep things fresh and interesting so that it feels like you're not just like linearly moving up through mm-hmm. levels. You're actually just going to new places and you're just doing new things. And and getting, getting stronger doesn't mean, oh, I have 100,000 health Instead of 100 health, right? Mm-hmm. It's more that, like, you have a diversity of ways to tackle problems that make those problems easier, but it's not just about brute, brute force forcing yeah. your, your way through the problem, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which, and, and to kind of bring that back to that
1: to the original question, which is about platforms, right? And like platform targeting, mm-hmm. um, we've kind of flipped over to treat form factor as basically just what interaction mechanisms a person will have with the game and therefore what the limits are and like how far we can push the kinds of ways you literally interact, like with a device, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, and with the question being, how do we map as many interesting in game interactions onto this kind of smallest number really of actual physical inputs. Um, so that the form factor doesn't matter that much. It can be, it can be basically platform agnostic. So, Mm -hmm. But that does mean you have to design things like if you know you're going to be have the game on mobile, well, that has implications for like minimum possible text size and therefore how much text can be shown on the screen at once, right? As like a simple example. But also if you're going to have on-screen controls, like how f- close together can they be and all of that, right? And so we take all those things into account to build up our constraint list of given that we want our games to be playable on basically any kind of an interface with any kind of an input schema, um, how do we design the actual interactions and functionality for the game that will make that possible but without making a mobile game or a console game right it's just it's a game it'll play great you know? no matter where it'll it will play great wherever you are yeah, yeah. I think yeah, in
0: terms and that's a good point yeah it'll it'll from a control standpoint from an interaction standpoint it will play great no matter where you play it. uh I think from a like overall uh, almost like in the scale of the experience and and uh, and that sort of thing it's it's more targeted toward that kind of kind of core pc or console market
1: yeah it's more it's yeah it's what you'd expect to play in the pc market yeah right uh or the console market um and not what you'd expect to play in the mobile market but that's a that has to do with the markets correct right as in like what gets sold there the market economies and like how the platforms treat those markets uh way more so than like what's going on in the actual game and what the moment-to-moment experiences.
2: Yeah, and I think this is kind of an interesting... It's an interesting conundrum as a game developer. Some is the idea of, like, making a game for a platform versus... Mm-hmm making a game in a platform agnostic way and then depending on how the game is received and where you think you can like get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of like featuring or whatever, then kind of lean into one platform a bit more in terms of really being more thorough about going through all of the accessibility, right? But I'm thinking about, um, about. do you guys remember the Diablo Immortal announcement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where Blizzard was like, hey, we've got a new Diablo announcement. And everybody was like, I mean, of course, it's Diablo 4. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been like six or eight years or whatever. Um, so it's definitely going to be Diablo 4. And then they announced like, it's a new Diablo game. It's a, on mobile, on mobile only. Um, and, you know, the universal response was just, why? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, why are you doing this? Um, because I think what people would love Is the idea of of a game that is, you know, the fully featured gameplay experience that they have come to expect and that they enjoy, you know, that they've enjoyed from the franchise the whole time, but that they could also pick up their phone and play it there too, Mm -hmm. right? So that idea of saying, like, we're making just a mobile game Mm -hmm. is something that we've never quite been able to wrap our minds around. Yeah, well, I think you do that when you're tailoring.
1: or it's not about the gameplay; it's about the market, right? Yeah. Because like, because Diablo Immortal, or even is not your tech, right? It's it's very hard. The tech, yeah, yeah. yeah, from the tech support, it very, is. Yeah, d you know,
0: yeah. It's very hard to yeah. do something that like looks incredible and competes like visually on like a PS5, yeah. you know, and then also yeah. but works. But if you're, on if you're making out a, the why though, you know, because
1: because like, the reason because like the reason yeah. they're making this you know this thing is because they want a, f- a game with free to play mechanics that can succeed really well on mobile, yeah. right? And so the design is about the business market fit, market, yep. not about the specific like experience of Diablo they're trying to create. Because uh, the fact is like Diablo is a simple game, right? Like so, like mm-hmm. regular Diablo. Like, and we've joked about this in the past uh, sometimes fr- in a frustrated way because of how people treated like how, how the intense PC focused uh, crowd treated crashlands when they were a few of them were mad because it was, "Quote unquote" a mobile port, right? Because so we, we didn't have controller support. Because we didn't have controller support. And the accusations they levied against the gameplay style were ones that you could also levy against something like Diablo. Most maybe?
2: AAA games and like, a lot of AAA games, but, but in particular, like PC games that don't have controller support or yep.
1: whatever. Yeah. But in particular, it's like because Diablo is also just you just click on stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole, it's the whole fucking game, right, with a handful of yep. hotkeys, and uh, and so, but so a game like Diablo, like actually just like straight up Diablo. Would work really well on mobile. Yeah. You know, there's nothing about it that makes it so, like, oh, this has to be played on PC, right? Like, yeah. It's the- not overly complicated. It's not, you know, yeah. really like, had,
2: had they way. just said, like, hey, we, we're we releasing Diablo 3 on mobile, people would have, you know, oh, yeah. they would have shit their pants right off of their bodies, yep. you know, or but just it's it's, framed it differently. It, Instead of
0: being like, hey, like, we know you've been waiting for a Diablo game. Here's a mobile one. Cause that's not what people are waiting for. Not waiting for, like, yeah. you could surprise people with that. You know what I mean? You could say, like, we know well, you yeah. guys have been waiting for, uh, you know, waiting for another, another for something you could play on the go. So mm-hmm. we actually made a Diablo franchise, part of the Diablo franchise on the go. And
2: people be well, like, cool, I,
0: as opposed I, to- you know.
2: I don't know. I don't think so though. I mean, I think it's about, it's about reading the room because if there's a whole new experience, right, as in like there's new lore, new characters, new enemies, new content, you know, whatever. And the only way to get at that is via some kind of like microtransaction-ridden free-to-play uh Mobile game on a tiny, tiny screen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, then people feel like, well, I'm just left out now, right? Because like I don't want to play in that, in that format yeah. or whatever. Well, I don't, it I don't, it right? matters where the franchise came
1: from, right? Because there are franchises yeah. whose entire existence is that that's that are on mobile and they release mm-hmm. new either things within the game or new new you know uh, new games themselves, but that continue the lore and it's all the same uh, business model, all that kind of stuff, right? That people are really into. Mm-hmm. But it's because that's the home of the franchise, is that kind of experience, right? Yeah. Versus Diablo, which is its home is PC. That's so definitely is, where yeah, all the players are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So this is also something we we uh, we talked a lot about early on in Crash 2 dev, which was from an audience standpoint, you know, how how far can we push uh given that cause the majority of Crash's players are on uh the mobile side, right? So yeah. the question was like, okay, yeah. do we actually actually have enough on the on even just the the PC and the console side to to do something like essentially from a control standpoint to basically amplify the controls in that direction where they are more like what you traditionally see uh, in that space and yeah I mean sure why not we can do whatever we want truthfully like you don't know, have to you know forbidden from making a Diablo game for mobile just because like some people will be kind of salty about it right um,
2: and- oh yeah I just I think I think the mistake is to just is like sure there there are some there's some franchises that you know started on mobile and they live on mobile and like they do really well there right? It for me it would be kind of like if you know uh if the next Supercell game right where they make like Clash Royale and Clash of Clans whatever yeah if they were like they're like our next game is p- a PlayStation exclusive right yeah, <laughs> it yeah, would be like $60. what yeah. yeah it's just confusing
1: it's, just it's like confusing
2: nuts. because yeah. there's a there's a certain like mode. The, like mentally that you go into when you're playing games on different platforms, and there's yeah. like a there's there's a, a I don't know if there's like a lifestyle associated with like gaming on the couch versus like gaming on mm-hmm. the PC versus gaming on your phone. Like I mean, there people absolutely have their preferences, is, no, like, you know, because yeah,
1: you have your habits built around all of that. You know, like because yeah, because I don't I don't mind playing games on mobile. It's just that the entire experience of like sitting down with a mobile device and like dealing with Battery and heat, and like, where where am I going to sit while I play games? Because that's actually part of the overall experience that becomes habit, right? Yeah. But if the game is good,
2: like, hell yeah. You yeah, know? you'll still
1: do it on occasion, but you know, like, but when though, you know, I, you you build so much routine around whatever your core thing is. Yeah. That if you've
2: got I'm a commute, stay. you know, you're on the train or whatever, you know, yeah, like, yeah there, there are plenty of opportunities to kind of develop those mobile gaming kind of like moments, Pockets. right? But yeah. if, but if, if you aren't typically a mobile gamer, right? so like, you just don't spend time gaming on your phone because of the way that you've set up your life and your routines and stuff. You know, you are in front of a big screen, you're at your console, you're at your PC or whatever. And the idea of like walking away from those big screens, uh, and just like sitting down on your couch with a, with a tiny screen, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's a, it actually is a lifestyle shift all of a sudden, right? In terms of like what your routines are, like where you're moving about, um, how bad your neck hurts, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, I think it is fair for the response to be general confusion. If a game yeah. has previously existed exclusively in one form factor and now moves to exclusively a completely different yeah. Yeah. one with no yeah, and options. And that's
1: know? even, you know, it, that's, and that's even ignoring the whole change in the business model. Right. Cause like people treat the business model as like, as in, you know, in-app purchases or whatever. Um, like the way that people talk about that is kind of interesting. Cause the reality is, is that that's, that's an interaction with the game, right? It's a mechanic. It's a mechanic. So if you, if you like in a game context, you open up, a, like you're playing the game, you're like, oh, I want to be able to do this, but I have to go like into a real store and spend real money to do it. Like people get really occupied with the fact that it's money being spent and that's both on the business side and on the player side. Right. And that's fair. Like it's fair to not to like hate that on the player side and like love that on the business side. Like that, like that all makes sense. Right. But people kind of forget that that's a core interaction with the game. It's like part of the UI UX experience of the game. You can't just take a game that has never had that or you know, a franchise that's never had that with an audience in a market that's never had that and just inject that in there and be like, here's now a new way you interact with the game, right? A new way that you solve problems.
2: It, it changes way the game. It
1: features. Uh, and a with lot. this entirely new way of interacting, that's basically like forcing somebody to use a controller now when they've only ever used a keyboard or mouse or what it's like, it's that, it's that huge of a change on top of the fact that there's a money, a money component. Right. Um, so it's, there are many, many, many reasons why it's hard, why it's hard to, <laughs> to do that. And like, and so, so for us, like the, the platform agnostic approach is the one that feels mm-hmm. like it just makes the most sense because it says we will meet you where you're at. We don't make PC games. We don't make mobile games we make games and well we make premium games
0: though cuz we don't we make we premium don't, games right? yeah we're not
1: monetization agnostic in a like,
0: it's not easy to strap a yeah. uh, free to play model to the stuff we do at all yeah yeah but you buy subscriptions and we don't, and we don't want to yeah, yeah. cuz subscriptions we're like oh cool there's a there's a new business model that we can actually participate in without doing anything to change yeah. the overarching design of the stuff that we do right yeah Which is
2: great. well we don't want to do we don't want to do live service right because like when i say live service i mean just a game that you know requires Players to continuously spend money, and which means the game has to continuously be updated because, like, we want to go make the next game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, we don't necessarily want to just spend the next 10 years just patching the same game over and over again. Um, we want to shake things up, right? So, all right. Uh, next question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says the community aspect of Levelhead is pretty apparent. The community aspect of Crashlands 2 is a lot less obvious. Do you have plans for how you'll build a community around a game that doesn't feature community content?
0: Mm,
2: yes, but uh, you got you to gotta think
0: outside of the Outside game. the bun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can think outside the bun a little bit. <laughs> because, so we talk about um, community, right? So I what think- What does that it, mean? What do you mean? You know, what do you, what do you talk about? Beaky. Uh, because I think, especially when you talk about building for community, there's a there's a bunch of different approaches. There's the explicit kind, which I would say is what Levelhead's doing, right? Which literally it is a game that relies on other people existing to be. Like, more there has to be a community. There has to. Well, be Well,
2: actually, a, there doesn't have to be a community per se. There doesn't have to be players spending time directly with each other, mm-hmm. right? Because because player if if players like if somebody boots up level head and never speaks to or interacts directly with any other level head player, which is true for most level head players. Um, yeah. Then they, they will still be able to publish levels. They can do everything in the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they but can think, play all the levels they can publish. Right. They can do all that stuff.
0: So you basically you have, you have levels of community interaction, right? For one. Um, but I think the question is like, is more so one of how explicit or built is the support for those things? Within the context of the game itself, uh, and in that case, what I'm talking about is things like user-generated content that you share, right? Uh, like chat or voice chat, uh, groups, guilds, multiplayer being the most obvious real-time example of this. Um, so that's that's one kind, which is the explicit kind. The other is the implicit kind, which is the kind that gets created by virtue of uh, a foundational shared experience. That people have that they have questions about or that they want to share uh, their experiences about with other people uh, if we experience a similar thing and largely i think that the approach we're taking with crashlands 2 is of the implicit variety which is which is actually in the design of the mechanics of the systems the whole world asking the question uh how is it that this supports supports a broader community outside of the context of the game so unlike levelhead being one that where the community is sort of in there um, how does this support people, you know, sharing or uh, or talking to one another in an external context? So you're, you actually are designing for community, but not not explicitly with, like, hard-coded things in the game, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: So I think a good example of, of this would be a game like Stardew Valley. Correct. Where single player, they finally added multiplayer long after launch, but um, the community that formed around that game was massive. Mm-hmm. Just huge, right? And why? Well, why? Because single player, yeah, right? It's big. Be- yeah, it's single player, um, and it's because th- I think I think two reasons. One is the game has enough depth and complexity that uh, you can learn things that uh, you can share with other people, right? You can share knowledge, kind of like how you know we we always joked about how Minecraft. You know, you've got to like n shaped pants. Gotta, like, man. Yeah, you got to make the shape of an N to make a pair of pants. Like the game doesn't tell you that; people tell you that. Other players tell you this mm-hmm. about the game. And so, the fact that the fact that not everything is just explicitly laid out um, can be a, a driver for community. Mm-hmm. There's a flip side to that, though, which is that there's still it, the game still has to be accessible enough um, at the outset that you don't get driven away from the game early mm-hmm. right like you need to basically hit points where you're like oh what's going on with this thing this is interesting and then you start looking up looking around and then you see you find subreddits and forums and discord communities and stuff like that um and that's so oh, totally single-player game yeah right? i sort of as so, an example
1: for that because they aren't hiding anything from you you know it's not it's not the same like oh guess what the shape of the thing is and that's how you like get it there's nothing like that right there's just so much stuff that you could do and it's not obvious what the consequences of any given choice are, um, so that you can tell what the choice is, right? You can see what the choices are yeah, available. Like, say
0: they're like, "Hey, you can make a beehive now," and you're like, yeah. okay." I mean, you're like,
1: cool. What happens I'm when I do that? Because, but, but you could. can make guesses about. Well, that's going to let me make honey, obviously. And then, I'm, and then if you're like participating in like the market side of the game, you're like, "Okay, that means I can probably sell it." So now you start to have questions that you don't have answers to, but they all come as a consequence of choices you can see and guesses you can make. So, that if you do then want to optimize things or just participate with other people, share knowledge, all that kind of stuff, right? You can then go out and ask people, like, hey, did you make a beehive? Like, was it worth it? You know, like, did you. <laughs> how did you set it up? The, you,
0: like, how, how did you, did you set it up? Where did you
1: put it? Yeah. Uh, how did you optimize your layout for this, right? Because mm-hmm. this is all stuff you could figure out by trial and error experimenting and the game's not hiding from you, right? Um, but it's the same deal with like romancing all the characters where like each character likes certain things and mm-hmm. you learn through trial and error by listening to what they say or whatever, right? Or you can just go read a guide who's like, this person loves this shit to go give Mm -hmm. them this, right? Or whatever. And so you get to, it's again, it's it's actually accessibility all over again, which is... Layers of hidden knowledge, basically.
2: Yeah. And so... Actually, you know, I I would think about it this way, hmm. is that a community is actually made up of different archetypes of people. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And your game your game can serve those groups more or less. So I would say like some, some of, I, I'm just making this up on the spot. So I don't know, you know, I would say like some of those people are basically like teachers and mm-hmm. students, meaning like there's people who like to just teach people about the game. And then there's people who just come in with questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got show-offs, right? Yep, yep. Which is people who just like to look be like, cool look, 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 look what I did. And then they, you know, no refuses to elaborate and leaves, right? Um, here's this wild this wild uh, like robot I made in Kerbal Space Program or whatever. Yeah, Kerbal Space Program is another uh, great
1: example of this because again, fully single-player. And actually, Kerbal Space Program is is even more kind of interesting in this domain because it's a lot more linear in terms of what progression looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like you unlock stuff in a tree, it's very finite. Um, There aren't a lot of questions there about like, what happens when I unlock this? It's like, well, it's a battery that gives you more battery juice, right? Like It's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But the consequences of then what you can do with all of that basically are it's like, it's now, it's now your own creativity and willingness to experiment that are the two things that are yeah. limiting. And so going out and seeing what other people do, lets you shortcut some of that stuff. You also know, cause it's all about like difficulty and experimentation and like putting time in that you have a sense of what's impressive. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that gives people a platform to show off with. And like Levelhead does the same thing where. Yeah.
0: There's a reason Levelhead we invested do... in those switches and stuff in Levelhead. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's cause yeah. we knew that there was like people who were like really into that kind of thing. Um, because they think it's fun uh, and they like to show it, show off the cool shit that they did. Right. There's now mechanisms to do all of that. Um, but also other people who are playing the game, even if they're not into that can appreciate what you have done. Right. And yeah. so they could still be very into it. Cause I, I know like back when Seth and I were both playing a lot of Corporal space program, I was not really into the, like trying all the really hard, crazy stuff that like so, that I saw Seth doing. Right. But I knew what it meant when he would then tell me a story of a thing that he did, right? I knew what it meant when I was on their subreddit for Kerbal Space Program. So you could be like, the "Why these people did? Yeah, that's crazy, right? Because <laughs> like the game is is not is actually so accessible from an understanding perspective. Like you just see it that you could like, look at it, and you don't even like you could not even be a Kerbal Space Program player, and you could see it, and you could yeah. be like, "That looks really cool," even if you don't actually grok the whole. Which again, it's about levels of accessibility mm-hmm. for. Every every aspect of the game. And you take that versus, say, like uh, Dark Souls, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where Dark Souls, like I see so much Dark Souls content. I've never played any of it. The, or the, whatever the newest one is called. but that, that Elden Ring. Elden the, Ring. Elden yeah. Ring, right. The franchise, right. I've seen so much of that content over my life, but I've never even touched those games. I've never watched a full playthrough, right? So when I see stuff that people are sharing widely, I have no framework at all to guess like, mm-hmm. is this, because like, I'll see things that are presented as like a little video clip, and I'm like, clearly they're implying something I'm supposed to take away from this, right? Like clearly I'm supposed to be impressed, surprised, like something is supposed right. to be happening to me, right? But it can't without context, right? So that's that's a difference in accessibility between like that and say a Kerbal Space program where anybody can look at, a rocket exploding as like doing a flip and exploding onto a tarmac, right? So and you're, you're like, like,
2: that shit's hilarious. That shit's, yeah. 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 Or can it, vocal, it, so that's,
0: anyone can look at a farm and be like, oh, wow, that looks like really well laid that's that's out. Really that's nice, really, really nice. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Yeah, so I, I would say then there's like a few more sort of like archetypes of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that you would think about in your community. So another one is your uh, strategists or theory crafters, right? It's like mm-hmm. people who just- Mid-maxers. all day, like they, Yeah, they're just like, I wonder how far I can take this mechanic. Panic, right? Or mm-hmm. I wonder if I mix these thirty-nine things in this really weirdly complex way, what happens? Right? Would you put speedrunners uh, in there, or
1: is that a different? I like think the speedrunners fall into that the, category. The, right? they're, they're kind of like they're kind subgroup. of like a subset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And then you've got hackers, which sometimes mm-hmm. it's modding, sometimes it's just hacking, sometimes mm-hmm. it's hacking to make mods. Um, mm-hmm. But it's basically people who are like, I wonder how I can break this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which I would say speedrunners are also partially in that camp too. Yep. Um, and then your last group, I think, is just your comedians, which yeah. is just like uh, people who basically just like make a shitload of memes and otherwise just mm-hmm. are there like be- – like they're there because there's a community and because yeah. they like the game, but mostly right. they just kind of like to uh, – Crack jokes. Have a and good time with crack, crack, crack jokes. Yeah, but they have to stay
1: uh, up to date with like the rest of the community basically in order to do that successfully, right? So. So like so yeah so you take like all these components of what goes into a game community and we see this with Levelhead uh, which is mm-hmm. really fun right we don't see it with Crashlands uh, Crashlands isn't it Crashlands is the Crashlands kind of is, game that supports that it's
0: too explicit uh, in yeah. all of its in-game knowledge basically I, well, I it think it's less about it being ex, I think it's
1: less about it being yeah. explicit than it is about there being so few things you can do because uh, right? it's like yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, like, you can do a
2: lot of things, but they're mostly the same thing. So <laughs> yeah, and the and the that,
1: outcome is very clear. Because yeah, I think it's less about the explicitness of like us telling you what to do, and more about the unambiguousness of outcome. Right. right.
2: Yeah. Well, you need agency. You need as a as a yeah. player, you need to say like, okay, I have this goal, this some far off goal, and he like I know that there's these like six different paths I could potentially take with a bunch of variations in those paths and whatever. You need um, to, to be decide, able to make alternate, competing able- decisions that you invest in,
1: because without yeah. that, you can't really form a meaningful community. Yeah.
2: but if the game is quite linear and you're kind of moving, just moving through a fairly predetermined path, um, then yeah, there there aren't that many choices to make, which means there aren't that there aren't necessarily benefits to going out and talking to people about the choices that you're thinking about making. Right? Yeah, and you can actually
1: see this. So, in- I've been playing a lot of Back for Blood, right, and so. As an example of a game where pretty straightforward, you just got to shoot she's the my face. face. Yeah, yeah, she's always facing like, and like you can find better guns. You can, uh, and there's like the meta layer of the card. So there's they, they've added in a bunch of stuff to provide a lot of this, right? But if I think about the the discussions that I have with other people I play the game with, or that I look up online or see online, and like the community around Back for Blood, what is it focused around? Right, and it's mostly around moment to moment combat strategy, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where the decisions get made, right? That's where the skill comes in. And like and there's the meta layer of like choosing cards and stuff, but that's all very static, actually. It's like, okay, well, once you've chosen once these cards, chose, yeah. yeah. Here's Whatever. a deck you can try, here's this yeah, build. This is this a right, good, here's a try try this melee build.
2: build or something. But
1: then if you yeah. but then still the main thing is like when you go in and play the game, how do you work together as a team? How do you communicate mm-hmm. with each other? How do you like and that's where the community focuses, which is which I'm not saying as a bad thing. That's just that's what the design of the game supports, right? Yep. with crashlands as a single player game where it's mostly actually about combat, really. It's like combat and uh, going through that linear story. Um, that is like it's if you look at like what does the community talk about? well, it's usually problem solving around some confusion around a quest
0: mm-hmm.
1: or around combat strategy, which yep. makes sense yeah. that's what the game supports, right yep. and so yeah it's it's about trying to figure out
2: like where are the decisions being made because that's where the community forms
0: mm-hmm.
2: yep yeah, so there's a I mean there's a lot of layers to it, and so that's which I think. Back to Sam's point, what do you mean by community, right? So yeah. just because a game has online features doesn't necessarily mean that it's Built good for, for creating a community. Or it doesn't mean that it serves all these different sort of dimensions of of types of community members, Um and so we're, we're we're trying to always keep that in mind as we're building Crashlands too. Is just how much how how deep does the system go? How complex does it go? How much information do we expose, and how much do we let the players kind of figure out on their own? Mm-hmm. And how do all these decisions either encourage people to talk to each other or discourage people from talking mm-hmm. to each other, or require
1: them to? Because that's actually the one you, you want to avoid. That one while still somehow getting encouragement, right? Because mm-hmm. as soon as somebody has to leave the game to go do something, since most players will not. Like it is just yeah. the truth, that then that's to just churn. That they just, leave. just yeah, churn.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's you know, there's a lot of considerations to it. So good question though. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers Fat Bard and Jen Coster for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.